the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Good morning and welcome in. Rob Black and your Doleros. Talking money, talking investing, talking anything you want to talk about. Typically thought. Um, I'm trying to get you to retirement. Um, trying to cut down on some mistakes. Sometimes we will uh, talk sexy. Stocks. Sometimes we'll talk boring stocks. I promise not to talk things like J-Lo's deep V-cut dress, victory. Uh, I don't care. I don't really believe in the whole <clears throat> culture of idolizing celebrities. I find it absurd, to say the least. Because when all's well and done, yeah, they're not going to be there for you. Oh, correct. Correcto. Correcto. Um, markets in my opinion, or something we watch, something we kind of study a little bit, but we don't get too caught up in. In the good old U.S. of A., our economy has worked, all things considered, pretty well for 100-plus years. Now, some people will say, hey, the Romans, it took them about 200 years to fall. I'm not saying we're not going to fall. I'm going to say you have no better option at this point in time. Um, for those of you who are spooky, spooky vision. This radio show will be rotated in 360, so at the bottom of the hour, you'll actually have to stand on your head to hear it correctly. I'm not saying that, uh, you know, being afraid of the market's a bad thing or a good thing. Ultimately, I'm kind of apathetic. You could do what you've got to do. I believe in capitalism, and I think it works over time. Uh, less and less so, and I'll give you the one example of that. Uh, we're seeing, or I'll give you a couple examples, we're seeing a lot of uber-wealthy created, and we're seeing a lot of people who 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago would have had decent-paying jobs getting ahead in life, they're now falling behind in life. So I don't think capitalism always works. But also, I think capitalism is working less effectively today, like maybe it's an engine flying on 80%, 85%, 90% power, because of things like, and again, I'm not a mean, nasty person, 
But when you give retirees money, that's socialism. When you give poor people health care, that's socialism. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. But it's not capitalism. I kind of wish we would say, you know, okay, we've messed up for everyone born before today. And now anyone born after today, when they have a job, we're going to start saving for their retirement individually in mandatory 401ks. Other countries do it. Why shouldn't we? And I think we, we have to wean ourselves off this, you know, everyone gets something because we've promised too much. I'm not a bad guy to say we've promised too much. Should we live up to our promises? Yes. I always do. I think if a dad says to his kid, hey, uh, I promise you cotton candy if you're good, you better get him some cotton candy if he's good. And I think we've promised a lot of people in America cotton candy. So, good finish to the month of October. It's not often that you see the S&P 500 increase 8.4% in the last two weeks of a month, but that's what it did. For good measure, that rally on Friday culminated in the establishment of an all-time closing high. Woo-hoo! I'm rich. Stock market enters what has typically been a good period for stocks in November and December. November marks the start of the best six months of the year for the stock market, according to Stock Traders Almanac. An effort to take some money off the table following a huge run would be absolutely understandable, Understandable, although not intelligible. Uh, why? We're at all-time highs. If you've invested in the S&P 500, you're at all-time highs. Congratulate yourself. Buyers aren't hurry to buy this morning. Sellers aren't in a hurry to sell. So far, pretty neutral. Fear of missing out is one of the things that probably means good things. There's typically a very good performance record on the stock market for November and midterm years. The average November gain for the SP 500 in a midterm year has been 2.7%. Average gains for the NASDAQ and Russell 2000 have been even better, up 3.8%, 3.9%. The Dow's posted an average gain of 2.5%. So it's a pretty good, healthy month. Tuesday is Election Day, and people see. According to polls, of which I'm not very political, I'm locally political. Nationally, I'm, I'm disappointed. Uh, Tuesday's election day, and polls have it that the GOP is going to take control of both houses of Congress. Some market participants think that could be the opening for corporate tax reform. Forecasts are just forecast, so nothing can or should be taken for granted. Um... What's happening now is a, be a, a bit of a wait-and-see trade. Will the market pick up where it left off Friday and continue its breakout? Will the Dallas Fed President Fisher say today, you know, he's going to give a speech, quote, on, uh, titled Preparing to Normalize Monetary Policy? Will that spook the market? What will Election Day produce tomorrow? Will the ECB and Bank of England announce on Thursday something special? How about those payroll reports on Friday? What will Janet Yellen say on, t- on Friday when she speaks about the financial crisis? Lots of questions overhang the market. But the biggest issue to me of the day is Taylor Swift. She's pulled all of her albums from Spotify. And I just signed up for Spotify, and I'm angry because I'm a Swifty. And if anyone ever captures that on audio and uses it against me, I will hunt you down. 
like a bad Liam Neeson movie. Taylor Swift has been refusing to put her new album, 1989, on Spotify since its release last week, and now she's pulled all of her old albums. Interesting. Artists have a lot of power with Spotify. Jimmy Buffet, also known as Jimmy Buffett. I always like the girls that go to Jimmy Buffett concerts, because when I was 18 going to a concert, and they were 18 going to the concert, I'd say, how old are you? And she'd say, I'm 18. I'm like, that is the coolest thing. Um, Jimmy Buffett asked Spotify for a raise, saying artists who stream their music on Spotify at the end of the pipeline when it comes to the money, Spotify pays labels for permission to stream albums. So Jimmy Buffet is asked for a raise. Spotify says it pays 70% of its revenues to labels, which will amount to about a billion dollars this year, but some artists feel they don't get a big enough cut. The Spotify service last year, I don't know if you saw this or remember this, but they revealed that they pay an artist an average of less than a penny per play. Swift wrote for the Wall Street Journal, I know this is hilarious, Taylor Swift wrote writing, right? That piracy, file sharing, and streaming. Swift wrote the editorial to advocate for the future of music, noting that she hopes artists don't underestimate themselves or undervalue their art. So, love Taylor Swift. 40 million users love her on Spotify. Now they won't be able to listen to her. Um, she's on 19 million playlists. People hope that she changes her mind. Spotify is valued about $4 billion and reportedly wants to sell for more than $10 billion. One of the big issues with Spotify's business model, artists have quite a bit of power over the service. So Apple Beats and Apple iTunes could go up against Spotify by getting more artists on. Pay them more. Fascinating. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and your money. Stay tuned. Got a good show planned for you. Find me online at robblack.com. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Anything that you want to talk about, we could talk about. Um, what's on your financial mind? You know, I have uh, my house linked up to Zillow. I've got a couple homes, and I'm all linked up to Zillow, and it tells me when the Zestimate has changed what I can get for rent, and what I can get for selling it. Uh, things have cooled down a little bit. And they take homes that have been sold near you, and they then start to extrapolate, you know, square footage. It's not super mathematical. One of the problems with it is that sometimes they have your home size down wrong, or something was coded incorrectly. 
So, yeah, you can get absolutely, positively blown away excited. Um, I don't recommend it, but you can do it. It's crazy. I live on one of those streets that every home has a million-dollar value on it or more. You're like, how is that possible? It's sometimes downright silly. Angela Earhart, Apple's newly hired retail head, has announced an internal video message that the Apple Watch will be launched in spring next year, later than previously thought. Earhart reminds retail employees that the Apple Watch is coming in spring. She says, we are spiriting a marathon right now. We are sprinting a marathon, and it's not going to stop. We're going into the holidays. We'll go into the Chinese New Year, and then we've got a new watch launch coming in the spring. It seems that there have been delays for the launch of the Apple Watch since its announcement in September. Um, Initial launch date had only ever been early 2015, but an internal source claimed recently that the company was having trouble working towards a Valentine's Day release. Um, Earhart's uh, was a big CEO of Burberry, and now she's kind of head of retail and online stores. She was considered a very, very good hire for Apple. There's a headline out there that I'm seeing today. Meet the women of Bloomberg TV and radio. I just almost automatically make your skin crawl. Um, I know, a little bit. Um, Talking about markets and what we have today. Wall Street now is so bullish that it's bearish, or Wall Street right now is so bearish that it's bullish. Depending on what services you subscribe to and what newspapers and what articles you're reading, keep in mind, with all due respect to business writers, a lot of them don't have any degrees in business. There's a guy for the LA Times, David Lazarus, who I think is a wonderful human being. He's very much so into consumer reports and consumer protections. But his business articles, I take with a grain of salt. I think they're an inch deep and a mile wide. And through the years, of course, he's picked up some business acumen, because if you cover something long enough, you, you'll get it. But when your diatribe starts automatically with, you know, banks are out to screw the average person, and companies are out to screw people, and, you know, bears are out to eat people. When your whole thing is about protecting people, it can get you into some trouble. Wall Street strategists are more bearish on stocks than they were in the March 2009 lows. It's typically time to buy when that happens. So notice the SP 500 is at an all-time high. According to Bank of America Merrill Lynch's sell-side indicator, Wall Street is signaling that it's time to buy stocks. The quote that came out of their research was, we remain encouraged by Wall Street's ongoing lack of optimism and the fact that strategists are still recommending that investors significantly underweight equities at 52% versus a traditional long-term average of 60 to 65%. I think, and this is me giving advice that's not the best, but I think if you're under the age of 40, I don't think you really need bonds. I think you have time to, to figure it out. Do you need to be extra careful in your choices of indexes you choose? Yes. If volatility in the market spooks you, do you want bonds? Yes. Short-term in duration. But, again, I'm not going to repeat those words and jump up and down. Do I think someone who's 60 needs bonds? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think people who craft their portfolios intelligently will be okay. Listen to this. This is a nice little twist. I know you're saying, give me a nice little twist. Um, Facebook 
a report now from a company called Mother Jones says that a Facebook news feed experiment probably had a serious impact on how people voted in the 2012 election. Facebook has previously come under fire for how it experiments with news feed. The stream of updates you see uh, from your friends. It was revealed this summer that Facebook conducted an experiment in 2012 that manipulated people's emotions. Facebook has got to be kind of careful. It's an enormous power that they have. On election day of 2012, Facebook published a note that said, Facebook is focused on ensuring that those who are eligible to vote know where they can cast their ballots and, if they wish, share the fact that they voted with their friends. The social network showed a random 1.9 million users in the experiment more news stories, a move one Facebook data scientist told Mother Jones was measurably increased civic engagement and voter turnout. Now, getting people out there to vote seems like a good thing. So in the experiment, the area where they pushed get out and vote, the number of people who voted climbed from 64% to 67%, meaning that it positively affected voter turnout. Um, and again, that's kind of data that's a little wonky because you're kind of counting on the person to say they voted, did vote. Um, but it's going to be pretty interesting. Facebook experimented with 61 million users, putting the I'm voting button in different places on their news feeds. How do you feel about being experimented? you good with that? Like, I don't really engage much in Facebook. I, I post and I read and... Um, you know, I think it's great for Halloween so I can see what my sister's kids dressed up as. But I don't really get all that caught up in it. Buying on midterm election day is one of Wall Street's most successful trading strategies. There's a technical indicator. has an amazing track record. The S&P 500 is up three months later, 17 out of 18 times since 1942. It's up six months later, 18 times out of 18. And it's up 12 months later, 18 times out of 18. Wow. You have to go back to the Depression era market to see periods where after the midterm there was losses. This is the, technically the time to buy. Um, I, I can't say that without smirking a bit, but it's a good time for sure. Midterm elections... Do you know who you're voting for? I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. You can find me on Twitter, Rob Black Show, YouTube, Rob Black Show. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Oh,
Welcome in. Rob Black here, Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Probably going to start a countdown to Christmas just to annoy everyone, because that's things that I do. 52 days till Christmas, only 52 days more of shopping till Christmas. And of course, I'll team that with like the most annoying Christmas music of all time being Charlie Brown's Peanuts, the Um But in between, I'm going to give you, you know, ideas of investments and thoughts, um, whether it be investing in Facebook on a dip, even though I don't like the way privacy seems to be not their big issue. They do have a big brother feeling to them. And I, I'm not against that. That's People sign up for being monitored, and that's fine. Um, but some people find that perilous, to say the least. Uh, and where else am I going to store all my photos, dude? Uh, midterm and November, midterm years and November, very, very both historically good months. Uh, so we should be good. Do you believe stupid, do you believe statistics like that? Like, yeah, it's worked in the past. Um, the selection that's coming up. A lot of things are at stake. Obviously, the Republicans, if they get both houses of Congress, then you're probably looking at corporate tax reform as being a big issue in the last two years of Obama's administration. But you also get a lot of things like rising minimum wages, legalizing marijuana use, immigration reform, and or not. Alaska, Oregon, Washington, D.C., they're all considering recreational use of marijuana. Uh, Florida's considering it for medicinal purposes. America's legal wholesale and retail cannabis industry, it's hit a $1.5 billion already in 2013. The sector's forecast to grow to $2.6 billion by the end of this year and $10.2 billion by 2018. As the underwear gnomes in South Park once said, first we get underwear. Second, and they have no idea there. Third, big business. Marijuana is going to be big business for the United States and a lot of taxes. Well, a lot I of lawyers. We could turn the homeless into tires so that we'd still have homeless, but we could use them on our cars. In California, where medicinal usage is loud and efforts are underway to legalize recreational use in 2016, the market will grow to $1.1 billion this year from $980 million. Um, and think of the under market, the market that's not taxed, and how that could hurt them. Um, anyway, just things to think about. Let's bring in, let's talk a little uh, financial planning with CFP Chad Burton. Let's welcome in CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. He is our financial planning, our house financial planner for the show, Rob Black and Your Money. Headline reads, a robotic toilet called the Numi. It retails for $6,400. It's a huge hit in China. The Numi uses motion detectors and a remote control to open and close its seat to flush. It also features leg-warming porcelain, built-in stereo system, and three bidet settings. $6,400. Now, I want it, but I know that I shouldn't. It's like I want a BMW, but I know that I shouldn't. Uh, expen- <laughs> expensive toys. Well, it sounds like a crappy investment to me. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Thanks for the setup. <laughs> You'll be here all weekend long. <laughs> Don't forget to tip your waiters and waitresses on the way out. Um, no, again, it's funny in hindsight. Don't you wish you can go back and, and talk to yourself and say, no, no, don't do that. 
don't buy. Like, for some reason, I wanted an Xbox 360. I wanted to see the technology. I wanted to like make sure that you know if we're going to talk about investing in the Sony PlayStation 3 versus Xbox, it, it's a toy. It's a it's a $300 waste of money for me. It's something you know I don't even like console gaming, but I wanted to check it out just so I knew that I could that I could talk about it. Um, because you know now the Xbox is super big in the living room and people are using Xbox to actually watch videos more so than play video games. So sure. it, you know I, I I got some money's worth from it, but expensive toys they they they're a downfall for our, our society. They're a reason we don't save enough for retirement. The gotta haves. I mean, it, it's kind of a big problem in China right now too. You know, and as they're trying to get to a co- more consumer based economy there. Um, people are saving and saving and saving so they can get that next smartphone. What's going to happen to the Chinese population? Are they going to save, or will the communist side of their government end up taking care of them in retirement? I mean, it's 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 going to be interesting to watch how China plays out over the next couple of decades. I suppose I'm almost agreeing with Susie Orman. She's got that segment on, Can I Afford It? Mm-hmm. And she basically tries to get the white, trashiest people on the planet to call in and say, you know, Suze, I want to get a... You know, something that's just way out of there, like a, a, a Rolex. Like, you should consider a Rolex when you've got a million dollars saved, but not a moment before that. Yeah. I mean, it's, again, it's, depre- if you're going for depreciating assets before you've maxed out your 401k to the 17,500 level, yeah, you've got problems. And you're going to work till the day you die or be miserable in retirement. It's funny because actually I'll tell people, if you're going to buy a, 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 a Rolex, buy Rolex. Don't buy a $400 watch. Buy a Rolex because Rolexes will actually retail for what you paid for sometimes, but not often, but sometimes. So what's the most expensive toy you've ever bought that you regret? Boy, I don't, you know, I think it's just, oh, this is I, so always, I always regret cars that I've bought. So I've bought, my current car I bought used, but the, the one new car that I bought just, you know, it was a depreciating asset. It felt terrible that, you know, that buyer's remorse that you get two weeks later. Then your kids eat in the car after you've spent a year not letting them eat in the car, and then all of a sudden it just it's a mess all <laughs> that kind of a thing. So I think true. it's always cars for me. Okay, I don't buy a lot of toys because I like activities. So okay, but your kids, do you, do you, anything you regret buying them? <laughs> yeah, my uh, nine year old is a Lego nut, right? And so um, for a I can't remember what's so I think a report card or something else. He got an eighty dollar Lego set, right? Eighty bucks that I spent on my kid for Legos. They're yeah. expensive. Okay. And I said, you need to put this together the right way per the directions. <laughs> and uh, if you do, I'll, I'll, I will buy you another one next time. And he did it. But the second one he didn't put together. It's just in a big pile on the table, you know, and it's just a wasted $80 Lego kit. Okay, so you got him a Lego kit and then you insisted that he, he build what was on the cover of the Lego kit? Well, yeah, these Lego kits, I mean, they, they have, you know, 30-page instruction booklets to build a city like for Indiana Jones or Ninjago. Okay. Nin- what is Ninjago? Ninjago is the latest craze in Legos. It's like these types of ninjas okay. that are Legos. Kids, yeah, kids love them. I learned there's Japanese Legos that are different than American Legos. <laughs> I won't tell your kid that because maybe... And Legos launched a whole form of Legos for girls, too. That, I guess, is kind of a flop, but we'll see. Which Legos are... They, they already are for girls. It's... I mean, how in- insulting that you have to make them pink to make them for girls. Yeah. So, anything else? Um, well, you know, I can tell you areas where I've wasted money that I wish I could go back love. I can't tell you how many bottles of wine that I've spent too much money on trying to get her, you know, to be impressed by me. Yeah. yeah. Um, jewelry. I th- You know, there's no woman on the planet can tell the difference between a diamond and a cubic zirconium. Go cubic zirconium, in my opinion. Yeah, because the other woman can't tell either. That's right. 
So it could cost him jewelry. Well, going back in time, I guess it would have been a post-nuptial agreement. <laughs> That's what I wish I would have spent money on that I didn't. Awesome. So the segment is look at the things you're spending money on. Question the things you're spending money on. You know, does your kid need his own little iPad? Probably not. Does he need a new iPad? Probably not. Can he get the iPad 1 and get by and live and not die? Probably so. And for your kids, you probably could have got a bitchin' set of Legos off Craigslist. You probably didn't have to go... But that's buy. the thing, is that you can buy all that stuff used. If it was going to end up in a pile of Legos, yeah. could have bought a whole bunch used. I saw a new business, and I'll keep this short. It's for 20-year-old girls that basically... You give three bosses to another girl after you're done with three bosses, and it's like swapping of clothes. Mm-hmm. I love the idea. I don't know if it's practical in reality, but um, I love the ideas. And they're doing the same thing with kids' toys, where you can basically – it's kind of like a Netflix. For 20 bucks a month, we'll send you you know, three sets of toys for your kids. You send them back, we'll send you more sets of toys. Thomas the Tank Engine. That's where I wasted you – know, spent a ton of money on for my kids. Thomas the Tank. Yep. I think it was com- uh, Thomas the Train, but that's neither here nor there. You're listening to – CFP Chad Burton. You can find him online at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And it is Thomas the Tank. But let's Americanize it as we do everything that's British and wonderful and turn it into what we want. Hyundai and Kia penalized for fuel claims. That's one of the stories that you go, this can't be, can it? Uh, Korean automakers penalized $300 million in largest such penalty ever. So they overstated fuel economy claims for their vehicles. Um, they agreed to the penalties to settle the two-year-long probe by the United States Environmental Protection Agency. Hyundai admitted after an audit of its mileage claims by the EPA that it had overstated the fuel efficiency for about 1.2 million vehicles, or about a quarter of its fleet. They allegedly chose favorable results rather than average results for a large number of tests. I.e., how much gas, how, how many miles per gallon does the car get rolling down a hill? <laughs> okay, probably not that, but I'm cynical, and I will always be cynical, and I am skeptical, and I think that gives me a healthy dose of, of finding the truth out there. Um, Ford, on the other hand, spent five years coming up with a new F-150 truck. It's a lot lighter. It's got a lot more aluminum than steel in it, and it gets better miles per gallon. It gets better towing. They spent a lot of research on this. Now gasoline prices are tumbling, just as it's getting ready to launch. And the fear is, is that they spent all that time and gas prices tumbling. People are like, I'd rather have steel. I'd rather have steel in my car. I don't mind filling up. Gas cheap. Car industry is pretty tricky. Red Lobster plans to go back into its shells. Struggling Chain announced another revamped menu that removes dishes, including spicy tortilla soup and a wood-grilled pork chop. That is a messed-up restaurant chain. Good luck with that, dead lobster. Whoops. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more.
Everyone loves an IPO. Virgin America has unveiled estimates for their IPO. Profit rose 24% recently. They're going to uh, plan about 13 million shares for $21 to $24. I love the product. Will I invest in the company? I'll get the prospectus and I'll read. You don't invest in a company until you know about them. Who's their competition? What are they going to use the money for? Are they going to continue to expand? Can they expand into areas that are profitable? You fly in Chicago, and you're flying into a fight. Never bring a knife to a gunfight. company is part owned by billionaire Richard Branson. It's generated positive results. Everyone loves flying Virgin America. They typically fly less distances, shorter routes. Um, now, Friday, there was that high-profile crash in the desert of the Virgin Galactic. Um, and who doesn't love Richard Branson? He's probably the, the only person that you could think of. Billionaire, 60-plus years old, on his shoulders while he's kite-surfing through the Bahamas. If that doesn't inspire you for, I love capitalism, I don't know what will. It's 130% true. Virgin America reported a profit of $41 million last year. It was up from $33 million the year before. That's not bad. Uh, fares rose 3.8%. Passenger traffic improved 2.8%. Capacity edged down slightly. So that's coming public soon. Very, very, very soon. Now, there's the fisherman's dirty wife. I love saying the fisherman's dirty wife. It's a pizza topped with anchovies, spinach, and chili lime drizzle. It may not be to your taste. It's not even here in America. It's in Australia. Domino's Pizza Enterprises, which isn't Domino's Pizza in America, which is one of the greatest stocks the last five years. But Domino's Pizza Enterprises down in Australia has come up with, and this has a point, and I, I want you to pay attention to it, because I, I think it's really, 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 really telling They've got this campaign where they want you to promote pizzas that they will make. So on your Facebook page, you can say, um, hey, all my Facebook friends, I just designed a pizza. It's got anchovies, spinach, and chili lime on it, and we're calling it the Fisherman's Dirty Wife. And we're going to give Domino's has agreed to basically make, well, here's what it is. It's a sales channel. So there's an application called Pizza Mogul. It allows customers down under to design their own pizzas, market them on social media, and get a cut of the sales. So I think this is fascinating. There's one woman who's pulled in, like, not a lot, um, $1,600 for the year. Um, I don't know how long she's been doing it, but since the campaign started, she's got an 11-month-old son. She's staying at home. Um, One of the things she's doing is that you know, she's given a portion of the profit to charity. And anyone directly involved in the project's development donates 100% of the profit. So that's the development of the project. But they're giving people at home the potential to stay at home and make a little cash. And they're doing the marketing for Domino's, which I think is pretty genius. Like, on my page, I can come up with one, you know... Uh, called the, you know, pigs get slaughtered. It could be ham, Canadian bacon, pepperoni, sausage. And y'all, you could go, yeah, you know, I've never had an all-pig pizza. But on Wall Street, pigs do get slaughtered. 
when you make a little bit of money, you take some money off your gains and, and fund some of your losers in your diversified exchange-traded fund portfolio. You rebalance is what that's called. Now, again, that's selling some of your winners to fund some of your losers. No, it's what it is. And a better way of putting it is it's, it's market allocating. It's being equity diverse. And when the Russell 2000 underperforms for a period of time, suddenly you went from a 10% weighting to a 5% weighting. So you got to go, okay, what in my portfolio gained that 5%? And you take that and put it into your underperformer. Now, that's with mutual funds, exchange-traded funds, and index funds. You get slaughtered if, like, you have got one position, like large cap, that goes from 20% of your portfolio to 60%. Historically, it's going to re- get back to the norm of market returns. So don't get slaughtered. And I could market that pizza in, like, on my Facebook page, which you can find me at cron 4 Rob Black. I would be able to get a cut of that and give it to charity. And that's kind of cool. I like it. I kind of, you know, and I could do marketing for a company without knowing I'm doing marketing for a company. But that's the future. That's very, very much so the future. And if you don't see how powerful companies like Domino's are, when you t- start tying together these kind of stories, it's, it's pretty insightful. Uh, the yen is at a seven-year low. Oh, by the way, um, with stocks, individual stocks, you tend to sell the losers and buy the winners. With exchange-traded funds, index funds, and diversified mutual funds, you tend to pair the winners and buy more of the asset allocation, equity, diversification strategy. But with individual stocks, if you have a stock that goes from 60 to 6, you probably want out of it. If you have a stock that goes from 6 to 60, when things settle down or on market pullbacks, you may want to nibble at it and put it into your portfolio. It's doing something correct. Now, that is just widespread generic advice. Consult a broker advisor for indicating the actions. But that's the mentality that helps you win. You call me coach. Maybe one day I'll do an episode on the show where I have football sounds, and I set up a team of stocks, and I have a whistle, and I have cheerleaders. I'm your financial coach. What do we do? We're going to win, win, win. What do we do? Fight, fight, fight. No. I used to love this band. Colin Hay, I think, is the lead singer. What a voice. Anyhow, anyway, I'll let him take us to break. Take a break. He just smiled and gave me a Vegemite sandwich. And he said, I come from a little Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. The Wall Street Business Network presents Rob Black and Your Money, your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finances, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800 
516-1220. So call in, we'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now, to start your day with the latest news and market commentary, here's Rob Black on the Wall Street Business Network. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. We enter the month of November at a very good time for your 401k. Last I checked, and I don't do a lot of market numbers because I don't think that they help you a lot. Yes, if you want, you know, to be told the SP 500 is an all-time high today. Open higher, went a little lower, went a little higher. I don't think that's going to get you to where you need to go. Dow, down 19, opened a little warm, then it went cold. NASDAQ a little bit higher. Um, Historic market rebound leaves, you know, people wanting um, to get into this market. We're up 250% in five years. It's an amazing run. Yes, we did have a really rough period right before that. So that number is a little bit bogus. For me to like say, hey, the market's up 250% in five years, there was a big fall right before that. So I ate a lot of Halloween candy and went into a candy coma. And since I've come out, the market's at an all-time high. <laughs> You're saying, that's just this morning, you idiot. I know. Since the lows of October 15th, when we're like, hey, this could be a correction. This is probably it. We're down 3%, 4%. In the past, we've bounced back from this. We haven't had a 10% correction in a long time. We were hoping for that correction. It lets a little steam out of the market. That's a good thing, not a bad thing. Market's up 11% since then. For the year, the SP 500's up 9.2%. That's a double the return of the average mutual fund. Hedge funds are getting smoked. The market's doing well. Um... And you could be in an exchange-traded fund that doesn't have a lot of fees, and you're up 9.2%. Your house isn't. Your house isn't up 250% since you know, the last five years. But, but, but I love real estate. Um, real estate's a double-edged sword at times. It's, it's a lot of liability that becomes a great equity. If you're a long-term index investor, I can not say this legally, but I can say it when I'm a little bit sloppy under the influence, I can personally guarantee anyone running money professionally is starting to feel a little bit panicked. Hedge funds and mutual funds are getting smoked. Having your portfolio exposed to the right level of exchange-traded funds, the right level of index funds, maybe a stock here or there. But if you're a hedge fund, you're flat for the year, and you're charging a lot of fees. And the market's up 9.2%. That's... I'm not going to say scary, because I, I don't want to use that, but I think it's reality. Do you want to hear crazy? Do you know how much we have in unclaimed lottery prizes every year in the United States? First and foremost, I think the lottery is a stupid person tax. Um, whenever I'm in a convenience store, and I'm stupid for going to a convenience store, because there's nothing that's convenient in a convenience store. So I'm mocking myself here, but last thing I'm going to do is buy a lottery ticket. Um, closest thing I do to gambling, eh, you know, on occasion, you know, there's there's a call for a little bit of, you know, entertainment, 
But if you go to a casino thinking you're going to win, you're crazy. If you go to a casino thinking, like, hey, this will be entertaining for three or four hours, and I'll keep it at, you know, this dollar figure, I get that there's an entertainment angle to it. You know, to go to a a Cal versus Oregon football game to get pretty good seats, it's $250 a seat. You go with a couple buddies, it's 500 bucks quickly. You know, parking, beer, you know, that stuff all adds up. Food. I like a fruit cup at a football game. $10. What about what? But unclaimed lottery prizes, again, back to that stupid person tax, $2 billion a year. Um, so guess what? There's an app now for trying to tell you if you won or not. And I think that is pretty genius. Because I could see people taking a smartphone app, um, scanning it, and then, you know, waiting to hear if they win or not. Since each state runs its own lottery independently, the nationwide total has been a mystery until now. Lottery officials have estimated the past uh, was about $800 million annually, $2 billion. Most of the winning tickets are only worth a couple bucks, 50 100 bucks. Many are $2 and $4 winners. A lot of tickets that are worth thousands. Even a million dollars more that have never been turned in. The app is called Lotto Lotto. And again, if you're a stupid person playing stupid person, paying stupid person's taxes. And every time I see people do it, I'm like, hey, good, the education fund. Of which, that is one of the biggest disasters in America. States cutting funding for public education. Um, if you want to get more in taxes in the future, you need to educate people to have higher paying jobs. I think we do need to change the way we educate people. For instance, Harvard has this big premium of giving people theory where Stanford gives people more practical education, actual hands-on. But states are slashing education spending, so I like the stupid person tax on a level of anyone who plays lottery. And if you do do it, please at least get lotto-lotto so that you're entitled to get whatever you need. The app is free. Um, The app tells users where they can buy tickets, and that's one of the ways he gets money. You can also alert people when jackpots reach a level that they want to buy a ticket. I know we now live in a world where that's what we need. I know. Isn't it crazy? We need an app to tell us if we win in Lotto or where to buy tickets for Lotto. But I strangely am fascinated with this. Again, the whole two you know, billion dollars going unclaimed in a year... Uh, that's all I got for you. Um, Apple's considering a new bond sale in euros. Um, you might remember the bond market in Europe is really gone into the toilet. The man who invented the toilet was named John Crapper. I find that funny. But um, Apple's considering, and we'll find out more this week, uh, raising a lot of money because as their economy has gone sideways to the lower, they've lowered their interest rates to almost nothing. So Apple is notoriously pretty skinny with the yields that they pay in debt. They did it last year when the United States, you know, just crashed the bond market, just, just got to such low levels, it almost makes absolute sense to do it. You know, paying 1% to borrow money for three years or 4.4% for 30 years of cash. It's pretty impressive. 
I own shares of Apple. Please know that I have a conflict. Um, anything you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money investing and more. Uh, the yen is at a seven-year low against the dollar. November marks the start of what's referred to as the best six months of the year. We hit all-time highs on Friday. Don't you feel rich? Take a look at your 401k. I think you're probably doing better than you think if you've diversified it. Uh, so, yay! You've got money. Yay! Remember that you've got mail? That's a bad memory. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. You can find me online at robblack.com. Twitter me, Rob Black Show. YouTube me, Rob Black Show. Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Want to talk about investing? Afraid to call the show? Drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. I can't do stock questions via email. I will save the stock questions and do a big show on stock questions if you want to do an email. But for legal reasons, type the SEC and the NASD. They don't want you getting stock advice via email. There's disclosure issues. Um, just throwing that out there for you. You can find me online at robblack.com. Email me, rob at robblackshow.com. Let's talk a little financial planning. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton, host of Focus on Wealth, heard every day here, Monday through Fridays at noon on this very station. Let's talk about the six success factors for retirement. These are success factors. like These are things that have to go your way in order to make your retirement go smoothly. And it's all financially oriented. One of the first success factors is a flexible retirement date. Now, I know some people, Chad, and I have a friend who, her dad just recently was like 55, 56, 57, lost his job. And he's taken out employment, and basically that's his retirement date. He doesn't want to go back to work. So uh, it's the give up retirement. It's the give up retirement. Yeah, it and happens a lot. And I'm like, he has to be more flexible. I looked at his finances. He doesn't have enough. You know, here's what happens. A lot of people that retire based on an age rather than a portfolio value or the give-up type of retirement, so a lot of times it comes from depression. So the give-up retirement is like, oh, I lost my job. I'm 50-something. And it's yeah. really a depression issue. Like they feel it's a worth okay. issue that they can't get past. And maybe that's some counseling and whatever it may be to get past that. Those that retire with an age in mind, regardless of how many, how much they have in assets to support their retirement, 
Typically, it's because they've had a horrible work-life balance. Most people hate their job that don't have a work-life balance. Okay. If you have a work-life balance, you can get your day, you know, go through your day and use it as a way to fund the balance part of your life, the things that you enjoy. Okay. And those same people that retire with that date in mind rather than a portfolio value, since they didn't have any balance, they also don't have anything to do in retirement. So not only do they not have enough assets, but they're bored. Okay, that's pretty bad because then they're staying at home watching Oprah. Right. And first year because they couldn't stand their job. They hated the person next to them that they worked with or the group that they worked for or the toxic environment, whatever it may be, and they're fine for a year doing nothing, and then they get bored. But then they also realize they don't have enough money to go travel and do the things that you're supposed to be doing in retirement. The best retirement, the happiest clients that I have yeah. are the ones that say, I don't know how I had time to work. I'm so busy now. For me personally, and I don't want to make it all about me, but – I'm starting to think, you know, when do I want to take my foot off the gas? Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm trying now to do things like volunteer work so that later when I do retire, I won't be kind of like a fish out of water. Right. My my retirement's going to be probably re- uh, charity work as well as, um, you know, maybe college classes. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so now I, I need to take a college class soon, kind of get that feel, do I still like doing this yep. as much as I used to 20 years ago? Uh, but that's my retirement plan. I don't really want to see the Sphinx. It's just a big rock in the desert. No interest. Uh, I'm with you. I'm with you. No, and I've, I'm considering putting off my retirement, ideal retirement age and asset goal um, so I can afford to heliski once a year. I mean, I went and, you know, as you know, I got married out of helicopter on a heliski trip. It's an expensive deal. It's a bucket list type of, of an event. So put, but it's so much fun to me that I would rather put off my retirement 10 years in order to be able to heliski every year for the next 10 years. How pricey is it? If you're talking for a, the Canadian trip that we went on. It's usually like six grand a person for a bad. five to seven day trip. That's not terrible. Yeah, but if you're talking about two people. They're budgeting $1,000 a month for, for could, fun. You could afford If it. you put $1,000 a month into a 401k, you know how wealthy you're going to be after 10 years? I hear you. I hear you. I hear you. But, you could get, but you, I, I'm, 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 I'm willing. I love my job. I love the people I work with. You don't cut retirement savings, do you? No. Okay. No, it's just a matter of I know I could retire earlier. But so let's I enjoy the work. I, I'd rather do adventure while my knees and hips can take it. So let's explain this idea of putting off retirement age. Mm-hmm. Um, realistically, one of the reasons you want to do it, you know, if you can put off until 70, you get more Social Security. Um, but should you put off retirement, for instance, if your health is not good? Um. It depends. So if you're a single person and your health's not good, then probably not. No, I mean, you've got to realize. But at the same time, you could get five years into it and realize that your health's better than you thought or there's some sort of a medical advance. There's always that risk if if you make that decision. But let's say you're uh, an an older guy, right, Right. and you could work another couple of years and maximize your Social Security, um, but you choose not to because you're not – well, you're not healthy enough, but your spouse is healthy. So maybe you should continue to work, max out your Social Security so that when you pass away, she has a larger 401k and a larger Social Security check. Um, so it really depends on the situation and what's important to you and what the other spouse is willing to do if, if you're not healthy. Yeah, it's interesting that you bring it up because I'm starting to get to the point where I've worked really, really, really hard. And I do like the idea of, you know, getting out earlier before later because I don't think I'm going to live a really long life. I've worked really hard. I don't sleep well. I've been, yeah. you know, slightly overweight a lot. So <laughs> when I go, I'm going to go pretty fast. There's the skinny Rob and the chubby Rob. Skinny Rob was 20 years old. <laughs> he hasn't been skinny for many, many years. I, I refer to myself as puffy. 
So I'm not exactly fat. Because <laughs> you like pie charts so much. <laughs> I do like pie charts. My favorite pie chart is how much pie I've eaten. With that said, it's CFP Chad Burton. You can find him at newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. And I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Um, just finishing up my notes for television. I do a little hit on Channel 4 Cron at 9.15. Uh, if you ever want to see what I look like, I tend to try to post that on Facebook under Cron 4 Rob Black or on YouTube under Cron 4 Rob Black or under Rob Black Show. I'm sorry. Um, links with Twitter and things along those lines. Um, join my Twitter feed. I randomly give out, hey, let's let's meet and talk stocks uh, to people who follow me on Twitter. Uh, there was a story out this morning, and I, I love this story. It's tied towards um, social media. And Domino's Australia has set up a plan where you can make a pizza, use their toppings to come up with some sort of catchy name. Again, like, you know, one that I could do is uh, pigs get slaughtered. And we could have, like, Italian sausage, which I think is pork. We could have Canadian bacon, which I'm kind of mad at Canada for ruining ham. We could have ham on it, real ham. We could have honey ham. We could have all sorts of ham. We could just make this pizza that's just all pork. And, uh... portion of the proceeds, like Domino's would give me a sales commission if anyone on my web page were to link in and buy it from them. It's a pretty genius idea of using social media. And that's the future, ladies and gentlemen, for now. We won't be app-based in 10 years. We won't be app-based in 5 years. Things change. But for now, we're seeing what they're doing. Very, very smart. You can find me online at robblack.com. I'll take a break here. Be right back. Eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. It's eight hundred five one six twelve twenty to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we've talked about money, investing, and more. Um, let's pull a caller in, Greg from Hayward. Anyone can call the show at eight hundred five one six twelve twenty. Greg. Hey Rob, I have a question for you. Okay. Can you hear me? Yes, I want to try to set up like a trust or LLC to protect my uh, adult kids for rental. I want to give them to them when I die. What do you think okay. is the best way to do that? You know, you talked about divorce on your show, I think, last week. Sure. And you're worried that you're going to pass on real estate, that your son will get married, divorced, and she'll get half of it? Yes. Okay. 
Um, the correct answer is, and is this the state of California? No, this would be Idaho, actually, and possibly Washington. I have property in numerous states. I highly recommend an attorney, one that knows Washington and Idaho. Um, in California, I was going to talk a little bit about Prop 13 and being passed on to your kid, but this isn't California. Um, it's a terribly complicated topic. How much property are we talking? How, how big are you? I just have four properties. Right how much now. would they I'm be on more? How much would they be worth if you were to sell them right now? Only about a half a million dollars right now. Okay. Why are you are, are you a real estate mogul? No, I was uh, trying to set up a um, third leg of a revenue income stream for my oh, retirement. I hate third leg com- commentary. Who's your financial coach? Who are you getting advice from? Just me. Really? Because third leg sounds you. like a ter- third leg sounds kind of like a term in a book. Um, a um, lot of people in real estate push third leg concepts. Well, yeah, I just I've, I've read in books and stuff and heard on different shows besides your own about having yeah. multiple streams of income. I only have two streams before this one, so I decided to try this. The next one I was going to do, and I like their strategy, is to buy some uh, stock, dividend stocks. I was going to use that as a fourth stream. Yeah, keep in mind that you're using a lot of terminology that I find revolting, and I'm not mad at you. I just, I'm uneducated, and that's why I listen to your show. Perfect. Um, I think there's some really good shows out there that are not infomercials. There's a lot of shows out there that are infomercials, both on radio and television and books. And there's even a guy on PBS who basically pays a lot of money so that he can tell you things like, hey, take money out of your house and buy this annuity from him. And that's his strategy for creating another leg of income in retirement. So you have to be very, very careful. Um, What I would suggest, and this is really simple, and again, I would be very cautious on listening to too many shows and and just know that people are trying to get your business. Um, And thanks for the call. It's a terribly complicated topic especially since you're talking about two states out of state. A lot of it is going to depend on the state of residence. Uh, you're going to want to set up a trust. I think you're going to want to consult an attorney who regularly practices. A trust is going to set it up so that you could say, this property in Washington is mine, and upon my death it goes to my first heir. Maybe it's your wife. Maybe it's your child. And the trust shall stay in perpetuity in his name. If he gets married... It doesn't share that that trust. It'll always be his as long as it's named in his name. Um, The federal estate tax was repealed during the Bush era, but now that's different. So tax laws change pretty consistently. So pre-Bush, during Bush, post-Bush, pre-Obama, post-Obama, like it's going to change. Your state's going to trigger inheritance taxes. You sound like a pretty young man. So I'm assuming by the time you get there, you're going to have a lot of equity. Um, I would imagine you're going to be worth over $5 million. If all goes well, that's something you have to think about. Real estate is considered very illiquid. There's ways to transfer it to your heirs now, pay the taxes. I don't think you want to do it. You don't want your kid to buy you out. You don't want to have a partner. You never want to put your kid on title. Uh, You want to title it in the trust. You never want to do transfers to grandchildren and skip a generation. Um, I really think that you're going to want to set up um, 
one trust for yourself, one for the surviving spouse, and one for an exemption trust of the deceased up to the exempt amount and the balance in a survivor trust. These eventually work their way down to a generation skipping trust that is irrevocable. So maybe if you have assets that could be rentals for hundreds of years, you're able to pass it down like that. Um, you're going to probably want to get some life insurance to help you with taxes upon your death, especially if you're starting to get into the high estate planning um, area. The correct answer is you, you need an estate planning attorney, and you need to know that this is a complicated topic. But yeah, I love the idea of passing it on to your children in a tax-efficient manner. Um, you know, you could start with something incredibly easy like a will, but I would be cautious on that because, again, you relatively sound young. I would spend the money, get a trust. If you want to talk further about the topic, you can contact Michelle Lerman at LermanLaw.com. It's LermanLaw.com. She does estate plans and trusts for a living. It is something you want to update minimum every five years because, like I said, tax laws change. But hopefully you're in the area where you're not struggling to get by. And keep in mind, a rental in Washington and a rental in Idaho are, are lovely concepts, but you don't live in Washington and Idaho so you may be in for a shift that you don't see coming. For instance, I own a rental in North Carolina where I have a manager manage the property. And I contact her regularly, and I'm like, hey, how's the housing market? She goes, awful. So I'm not going to make a lot of money on my house. How's the rental market? Awesome. So I'm, I'm pretty good with that. With incredibly low mortgage rates, I've done pretty well. I'm assuming you have as well. And again, I don't know your total net worth. I don't know if you're married. I, I don't know how many children you have, but you kind of want to set up a trust structure so that it, it doesn't go public and it is efficient. And spending you know, two, three, four thousand $4,000 now should save you $40,000 in probate fees if you were to die in the state of California and then you know other fees tied towards other states and real estate. I highly recommend an attorney. And again, an estate planning attorney is the way I would go, and it's the way I have gone um, for obvious reasons. Millennials are flocking now, believe it or not, to 401ks, and that's a good sign. In the first half of 2014, the number of millennials enrolling in the first time in a 401k jumped 55%. The twice-yearly report out of Bank of America examines trends amongst 2.5 million plan participants. The brisk initial enrollment pace is due partly to the sheer numbers of millennials entering the workforce. They account for 25% of workers today, a figure that will shoot to 50% by 2020. One key reason for the surge in participation is the use of auto-enrollment by employers. I love that. Salem, my employer on radio, and, you know, real quick back to Greg, there's only one, two, or maybe three radio shows that I would trust as unbiased information, but Salem has brought me on, and they have an auto enroll in the 401k, and they have an auto match. And I didn't come to Salem for the 401k or the benefits. I came for the platform and, you know, the, the great name the company has of consistency. Clear Channel will flip its station in five minutes. Would I love to work for Clear Channel? I've worked for Clear Channel, and it's great, but they're not very consistent, um, and it's a little bit of a problem for me. I like the consistency. Um, but auto enrolls is fantastic, and an employer that cares about you auto enrolls you. 
Um, and there's a match. And, you know, after a year, I was like, hey, look at this. I didn't even know this, you know. It was a part of my pay stubs, but I'm not a big radio pay stub watcher. Nearly all employers, 94% that added automatic enrollment in the first half, also added automatic contributions. Um, enrolling in a 401k plan is the single best financial move that a young worker can make, period. Um, there's a lot of companies that offer advice online. Um, I would be cautious, but millennials widely distrust banks. Um, I would like to talk a little bit more about that, but I'm going to be uh, a little more cautious. Millennials are less likely or the least likely to take care of the health savings accounts, which lets people set aside pre-tax dollars for health care costs down the road. Health savings accounts usage jumped 33% in the first half, uh, but it wasn't the millennials. It was Generation X and the boomers who were the large pushers of that. So that's real good to see. Real, real, real good to see, in my opinion. Tomorrow is voting day. Um, every vote counts, even votes from stupid people. And uh, all I'll say is, to me, local elections are much, much more important than state. But state elections are much, much more important than federal. For me. And, you know, at some point in time, I plan to get into local politics. Uh, because I think you can serve your community a lot better than you can serve the nation. The nation seems ungovernable at times. Definitely in my cynicism and sarcasm, crazy combination. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Don't be shy. Taylor Swift has pulled all of her albums from Spotify, and I just signed up for Spotify. And as a Swifty, I'm lost. And I need you to be my light to get me back to reality. I'm Rob Black. Great rock song. Great composition. It was composed by three artists. Wadi Wachtel, Leroy Marinelli, and Warren Zevon. And of course, performed by Warren Zevon. It was on the album Excitable Boy. Which if you talk to people under the age of 30 now, they're like, what's an album? They'd know singles. Werewolves of London was the hardest song to get down in studio. Um, very, very difficult for Warren Zevon. So, the solo had to be laid down in one take, but there were so many problems in that day and age with coke, cocaine, and alcohol that it was pretty brutal in the studio. I heard the story once. Um, anyway, the song is in key of G. Three chord progression that runs through the entire song. 
It's very catchy. Like, you probably don't grasp chord progressions as catchy, unless you work in music for a little bit of your life. I remember being like an eight-year-old kid listening to this song and just thinking how fun and how cool this song was. And then the movie American Werewolf in London came out. And that's pretty darn awesome. And that's all I got for you. 800-516-1220 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-516-1220. I'm pretty sh- I, I, I don't know what that song means. You know, maybe it has something to do with drugs. That, like, at night you turn into a monster. I, I'm just kind of assuming it's a wolf that's really hairy that will rip your lungs out. And I'm believing it at that. But why is he drinking a pina colada at Trader Vic's and his hair was perfect? So maybe it is about the effects of alcohol. Whoa. That's heavy. I know, right? Anyway, this is a good time to be an investor according to history. Um, The S&P 500 was up three months after a midterm election, 17 out of the last 18 times. It was up six months later, 18 out of 18 times. And it was up 12 months later, 18 out of 18 times. Midterm election. Whoa. You are good to me, midterm election. Um, like, I don't think I'm going to make out with midterm election, but man, you are sweet on me. As far as investing goes. Later tonight, you see me making out with midterm election. Ow! Um, I'm controlled during the day, at night, and eh, not so much. Virgin America has unveiled that it's going to do an IPO. I love flying Virgin America. I'm not going to confuse love flying with Virgin America with must invest. I'm going to read the prospectus, and it's, I think it's going to have a pretty good story. I'm going to look for the negatives of the story. Um, you know, like when you fall in love, you're like, she's sweet. And she's lovely, and she's nice, and she's pretty. And then you start like learning like the warts. I look for the warts first. Um, I do an examination. I look at someone's, you know, spinning patterns. I look at what their expectations are in a relationship. Like, you have to. So, if you're going to get into a financial relationship with Virgin America and invest in the company, their profits are up nice in the last year. But a lot of times, the companies will ramp up revenues that are unsustainable. Average fares rose 3.8%. Passenger traffic improved 2.8%. They've become a little more pricey to fly. To be quite honest with you, um, it was a little bit easier to fly with them in the past. Now, I still fly with them, and uh, they're my preferred carrier. And I've never said that in the world. My preferred carrier? Don't I sound like a steward or stewardess? Which is a big mistake to ever call them waitress or waiter. Big mistake. They do not like that. Um, Lottery prices that go unclaimed, $2 billion a year. That's fascinating to me, that people will play the lottery and then win and not get their dollar or $2 back or $4 or $100 or $1,000. There's actually been million-dollar prizes not claimed. Other stories of note out there, manufacturing jumps in the month of October as new orders surge. Yay! We're doing okay in the United States. Now, here's the problem with that. Our dollar's going to get stronger. Boo! But economically speaking, we're kind of weaning ourselves off the Federal Reserve, free money, and that's a good thing. But we're not there yet. And it feels like it's going to be a while. The Apple retail chief has confirmed that the Apple Watch ain't going to make it to February 14th. That was rumored to be the date. But it's, in fact, going to fall into spring. 
But it is going to come, according to Angela Earhart's former CEO of Burberry. Burberry. Which, if you've ever gone in, you can literally buy a $2,000 scarf. I know you're saying no. Yes. Um, state, no. I'm kind of running out of, of meaty stories. Marijuana, it's a big midterm election issue. Poppreneurs are watching. Alaska, Oregon, Washington, D.C. are going to consider the use of marijuana. While Florida voters will consider medicinal, all four are expected to pass. California is getting ready to make marijuana, uh, not just medicinal purposes, but recreational, in the next election cycle in two years, in 2016. It's a market that, if I were to tell you, you know, I'm not going to say it's investable, but the cannabis market's gone from $347 million to this year it's going to be $800 million. It's expected to hit, you know, much bigger numbers, $1.1 billion by 2016. So there's going to be some investments there. And again, the new phrase, the new word, potpreneur. What a day and age we live in. I'm Rob Black. Don't be shy. Pick up the phone. Give me a call. We've got 30 seconds stock, 800-516-1220. Or call me tomorrow. Email me, rob at robblackshow.com. Tweet me, Rob Black Show. YouTube me, Rob Black Show. Talk to you soon. Views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of the Wall Street Business Network, this station, its management, owners, or advertisers, and should not be construed as legal, tax, or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.